I, as we continue in our series uh, through the book of Proverbs, uh, we come to a subject that I guarantee will uh, cause some controversy. <laughs> That's something new, huh? Uh, and and um, I guarantee you that there's going to be a certain sense of uneasiness for all of those who lean toward one side of the issue. Dr. Anderson Spicard, Jr., who's the director of medicine at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and he's a fellow of the American College of Physicians, made this statement recently in an interview on our topic for this morning. He said, heavy drinking has become almost as American as Super Bowl Sunday. The latest Gallup poll on American drinking habits only confirms the suspicion that something is radically amiss. He said 81% of adults said that they considered alcoholism to be a major national problem and that one out of three families reported that alcohol had caused trouble in their own personal families. According to this article, alcoholism is the third largest health problem in the United States today. And it is said to damage directly the lives of one out of every four or five Americans. And I think if the truth be known, alcohol has probably ruined more marriages and families than any of us would like to admit. And uh, it destroys lives, it destroys lives physically, it destroys lives emotionally, spiritually, and it's a, a serious problem which is growing not just in our secular society, but it's growing in the Christian community as well. And I want to I share with you a survey that was conducted recently. It was in a book that James Hunter wrote, and his book was entitled Evangelicalism, the uh, Coming Generation. He did a survey of students in nine evangelical colleges. In 1951, 98% believed that drinking alcohol was wrong. In 1961, 78% believed that drinking alcohol was wrong. In 1982, 17% believed that drinking alcohol was wrong. Obviously, something has occurred in the past 40 years uh, that reflects a drastic change with regards to the consumption of alcoholic beverages. Recently, I saw you know, one of those little question-answer type things in the Orange County Register. It was a question addressed to a, a gentleman who has one of those columns, kind of like a, a Dear Abby column, but more on the medical side of things. Anyway, it was written to him. He said, uh, I'm 17 and considered to be a pretty normal kid. I've had my share of problems, but none of, ha none of them has been really serious. My mom and dad both drink, but they could be considered, quote, social drinkers. I've rarely seen them drunk. When I was 15, my parents allowed me to have a beer at home with the promise that I would not drink away from home. Well, so far, these last two years, I've kept my word, although I admit it's been difficult at times to just say no. Last week, my new girlfriend came over to my house and saw me sitting there having a cold beer. She was shocked and said that I had a problem. She left the house, and I haven't seen her since. Do you think there's something wrong with having one or two beers a week at home with, you, with, with your parents' permission? You know, and it's, the tragedy of that is, you know, having a, a teenage daughter that's now a freshman in college, she would come home and tell stories about parties that, that her, at her own school um, with kids that she went to school with whose parents would provide alcoholic beverages for the party uh, as long as they would just drink at their house instead of going somewhere else because that way they could at least supervise. And so the logic obviously is, you know, like everything else in our society, if they're going to do it, then let's try to let them do it and control how it's done to try to minimize the damage or the consequences of it. And uh, that's the mentality that we're dealing with in our society. And obviously, uh, you know, it's not just the secular world, but it also has affected the Christian community as well. And um, 
the question I guess I have for you to make this a little more personal is how many of you know right at this point in your life someone close to you that you would consider has an alcohol problem? Raise your hand. Just look around. Out of, I don't know, 350, 400 people, probably at least half. Uh, let me ask you the next question. How many of you have ever in your life uh, drank an alcoholic beverage? All right, there we go. That's everybody, almost. Um, I know, but some of you are saying, now does it count if you swallow it? I know. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I, you know, for argument's sake, let's just say that it does, okay? So it, it's obvious that, um, and I'm not going to even ask this question, how many of you drink today, because I, that, that's really not that important. It's obvious that it's a, a very relevant problem, and it's something that uh, we need to deal with. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs, and let's take a look and uh, try to be as open-minded as possible. Uh, I know it's difficult if you've already got this one figured out in your own mind uh, to do that, but I would hope that you take a look and just, just hear out the arguments that are laid out. And uh, you know, I'm going to try to present it as fair as possible because there, are, there is some controversy even, even within the Christian community concerning this whole problem of drinking alcoholic beverages, and we need to deal with it, and we need to address it. Proverbs chapter 23, kind of as a, as a foundation or an introduction into the book of Proverbs with this particular topic in mind, if you look at Proverbs 23, starting with verse 29. The question is, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, and who has complainings? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? And then he answers it. Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. I'm going to try to, as I said, be as objective about this as possible. And so out of fairness, you've got to ask this question, and I've heard it asked many times before. What's wrong with having a beer? What's wrong with having a glass of wine at dinner? What's wrong with having a martini at lunch? What's wrong with having a drink when you get home after sitting on the freeway for two hours? You know, those are very honest and very legitimate questions. And uh, out of fairness to those questions, I think that we need to address those questions as we go through this. The problem that we have in the Christian community and the controversy surrounding the answer to those questions really boils down to an understanding of biblical terms. Because we're all going to come to an agreement, and really this is what it boils down to, those who believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that what God says is true and accurate, all of those who are in that camp will say, look, you know what, if you can demonstrate to me in the Bible that that is what God demands of my life, then I've got to agree that I need to change my position on that and conform to what God has to say. Now, there are many people who would say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. I have, uh, you know, I just believe what I want to believe. Well, and that's fine. And what we're going to talk about isn't going to change your mind one way or the other. So I'm not really addressing people that don't look at the Bible as being a standard for how to live their life. But for those of you who do agree that it is our standard, that we need to change our practices to conform with what the Bible says, then we're going to take a good hard look at what the Bible says about the subject of alcoholic beverages and deal with the whole problem that's associated with alcohol. 
because there really is a problem. And here's what the problem is. In a nutshell, it boils down to trying to understand the biblical terms that are used as we read the terms that are used in the Bible as far as uh, wine is concerned, intoxicating beverage is concerned, uh, mixed wine, uh, wine press, all those things. And just to give you an idea of how difficult it is at times to understand that, in the Old Testament there are 12 different Hebrew words that are used in 251 different places. In the New Testament, we have three words, but even that is difficult because the primary word is used 36 times, and it refers to wine in all stages of wine, from a grape on the vine to the most fermented of all drinks. So the same word is used from picking a grape to drinking the most uh, fermented beverage that there was. So it's a very difficult and complex subject when we try to come up with an understanding of it. So as a historical context, what I want to do is just share with you kind of a synopsis of everything that I can find and everything I could read on it. Uh, Wolverd and Zuck and their, new, uh, and the, their commentary on the New Testament and Old Testament, uh, Zondervan uh, Dictionary, uh, Vines Expository uh, by, um, Dictionary, all, all lays out. Basically, here's what everyone agrees to. In ancient times, fermentation began immediately within a 24-hour period with a slight foam that appeared on the grapes that were placed in a wine vat. So the first 24 hours, fermentation begins. The Jewish tradition tells us that it's available immediately for the wine tithe, which is spoken of in the Old Testament. Now, after a week, these violent processes of fermentation begin to subside, and the wine is usually transferred to jars or wineskins. So at that point, it's called new wine, and for a period of 40 days, that new wine that's only 40 days old was acceptable for the wine tithe of the Old Testament. So it was when it was in its, its, its most perfect condition and acceptable to God as a sacrifice. Now, once it went beyond the 40 days, days and it, wasn't, it didn't qualify for the tithe, and then it would be put in wine, wine skins or it would be put in, in vats, and it would be saved. And it would be saved for a period of one year. At the end of the year, then it would no longer be acceptable for a period of two years. The most they ever saved wine in ancient history was three years, and then it was all discarded and thrown away because they realized the longer that it sat, the more fermented that it became and the more alcoholic in the content uh, that was found. And what they did throughout this course, anytime they would drink that, they would make sure they diluted it with three parts water and one part of the drink of any wine that was over one year of age. So you got like a, a, a general feel for what's going on. And what's difficult about it is there are some things that we're going to struggle with in understanding that because it's so complex as far as the word uses, the historical content. But the good news of all that is there are some things that are very clear in the Bible that there is no misunderstanding. And those are the statements that we need to dwell on. The controversial issues of what did it mean in the 249th time that was used versus the 12th time that was used versus the 251 time that was used. You know, all those things, they're, they're fun. They, 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 they give you a mental exercise. You can go through and dig up all kinds of stuff and read on it, and they're challenging, and that's all great. But it's like Mark Twain said, and this is where our real problem is. It's not what I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me the most. It's what I do understand that troubles me more than anything. And so what I want to do is take that as a basis of how we're going to operate here and give you a couple of, of statements that we need to take a look at because these are positive statements that are made by the Bible regardless of what your viewpoints are about certain interpretation in a certain passage. These are very positive statements and there's no way you can get around it. You can't sidestep it. You can't dance around it. You can't do anything but read them for what they are and then have to deal with them. And so I want to, I want to take those positive statements first 
And uh, the first thing that you're going to recognize as we go through this is that alcoholic beverages are dangerous. There's no way to get around this. Now, some of you say, well, you know what, Chuck? How, how are they dangerous, really? I mean, stop and think about it. You know, you hear, that, you hear it all the time. I'll be careful. I'm just having a beer. What's a glass of wine? I'm eating food with it anyway. You know, I mean, how, how are you going to tell me that that is dangerous? How are you going to tell me that? Say, so, well, that's a good question. And, and we hear it all the time. How can drinking a beer be dangerous? Come on. Now, you know, you ask the same person, well, how many beers do you have to drink before it is dangerous? Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll know when I get there. No, when you get there, you won't know. <laughs> but uh, mo- every, most everybody else will know. But the problem is you won't. See, how do you know when you get to that point? And so as you go through this, we're going to have to ask, you know, ask the questions. Is it really fair to tell someone who's having a beer that that's a dangerous thing to do? And I know it's going to be you know, very upsetting to a lot of people, but we get to take a look at it for what it says. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 1. It says this, Wine is a mocker, Wine is a mocker, strong drink in the New American Standard. In the NIV here it says beer. Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. All right? Take a look at it. The key to understanding this as we go back to the original questions, are you going to tell me having a beer is a dangerous thing? Well, I'm not going to tell you anything. We'll just read through it and you come to some conclusions based on what you read. Wine is a mocker. The key to understanding this is, first of all, understand some of the words. What does it mean to be mocked at? Wine is a mocker. I mean, what I picture in our, in our standard that we go by and in our society and being involved in sports, you know, mocking is basically talking trash to somebody. You know, what mocking is you get in their face, you know, and, and having a, a, you know, dealing with little league kids and, and uh, baseball games and things like that, you know, you get up on somebody 15 to nothing or whatever it is and it, you have a tendency for kids to start, you know, doing a little trash talking, you know, or laughing at another person, or making fun of them. And that's exactly what the biblical uh, terminology, uh, as far as mocking, is how it's defined. It's making jest of someone. And so what you've got a picture in your mind is, is that every time you have a beer, what God says, or a glass of wine or an alcoholic beverage of any kind, what God says is that that alcoholic drink is mocking you And what it's doing is it's basically laughing in your face. It's talking trash to you, saying, hey, you know what? That's all right. Don't worry about it. And like you said, hey, this can't be dangerous. And it's mocking or ridiculing what the truth is. The truth is, if God's word is true, the truth is that wine is a mocker. That's what it says. It's talking trash to you. Okay, buddy, yeah, you can have a double martini. Go ahead, you know, and talk trash. Get in your face, talk trash, make fun of you, and jest with you. And that's exactly what, what the word means. And it goes on, and so it's deceptive. You're kind of lured into believing that it's not a problem. You're lured into believing it's not that big a deal. You're lured into believing it's really not a dangerous situation. You know, it basically, the word to define means it turns its nose up at you, saying, ha, go ahead. It's no big deal. You can handle it. What's one beer? What's a glass of wine? <laughs> you know, go ahead. And what the warning is, it's kind of like, you know, the old lost in space robot used to sell, danger, Will Robinson, danger. And, you know, and that's what I look at when I look at that. And God says, hey, God says, Chuck, it's, it's, it's mocking you, man. It's making fun of you. It's, as they say, it's dissing you, man. And that's exactly what it's doing. It is. Although we had one guy, we had a, a, a 
John, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Coach Knox was having a meeting one day, and he said that, uh, he goes, yeah, man, those guys are dishing you, man. They're dishing you, you know. And Chuck's in his 60s, and you've got to try to keep up with kids that are in their 20s and 30s, and you've got to be on top of the lingo and stuff. And uh, one of the guys went up to him later and said, hey, Coach, just want to let you know it's dissing you. And, uh, well, so he dissed him and got cut. But anyway, the, I guess <laughs> and this, the, the moral of that is, you know, you've got to be careful who you're trying to explain, you know, terminology and definitions to. But anyway, uh, th- that's the first thing, the first key to understanding. There's a warning there. Now, the second thing is, he says that and beer or strong drink or mixed drink or intoxicating beverages is a brawler. All right? First it mocks you, and then beer or intoxicating drink is a brawler. Now it obviously carries the idea of physical violence. And I like this. I mean, how many of you have ever been in a situation where there's been a party going on, there's been alcoholic beverages served, and it's been going on for a while, and something ugly happens? Would you please raise your hand? All right, I don't mean, you know, a guy stands on the table and starts dancing with a lampshade on his head. I mean, uglier than that. I mean, somebody starts calling somebody name or somebody says something, insults someone, and the next thing you know, I mean, if it's more civilized, you just don't talk to each other ever again. But whenever it's just kind of primal, you end up taking it outside. You know what I'm saying? Have everyone seen that? Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, you take it outside and you end up thumping on each other. And, and here's what usually happens. Well... They just had a couple too many drinks, didn't they? And that's the answer. Well, that's not surprising God. He says, hey, intoxicating beverages are a brawler. They're going to lead to physical violence. That's just the way it is. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was putting this all together, and I heard on uh, KBC they do a Channel 7 sports segment. They do This Day in Sports. June 4th, 1974, This Day in Sports. Cleveland Stadium had a promotion. Ten-cent beer night. All right? Ten-cent beer night in Cleveland, all right? (laughs) Let me just go a little further here. Ten-cent beer night in Cleveland on a hot summer day. Anyway, the game had to be stopped in the ninth inning due to the increased number of brawls that took place in the stands. Finally, the game was suspended as the fans poured onto the field beating up one another. Oh, now here's an interesting side note to history. They decided never to have beer night again at Cleveland Stadium. You know, it's like gun night and hard liquor night, you know what I mean? They go, what in the world? You know, and then, you know, it doesn't say, you just read the newspaper. Uh, three arrested after party erupts in violence. Part two are injured as party crashers return after being told to leave. Too much drinking, blah, blah, blah. Hey, God knows that. He says, guess what? I, hey, you know what? Alcoholic beverages are dangerous. They mock in your face. Uh, they're deceitful, and they lead to physical violence. Now, here's an interesting thing, too. It says, and whoever is led astray or intoxicated by them is not wise. See, the whole book of Proverbs deals with living wise or living foolishly. And if you go through and you go back to your notes or everything that we've discussed up to date, living foolishly is really not the best way to go. And so what he's saying is anybody gets intoxicated to the point where they don't believe that it's dangerous or there's going to lead to physical violence, it's living foolishly and you're not wise by your actions. There's no way you can get around that. And let me give you three reasons why I believe it's true. Number one, alcoholic beverages are dangerous because they're so deceptive. I don't know how many times I've heard this said in my lifetime, and I'm obviously not as old as some of you, but the reality of it is, this is this has gone on throughout all of human history. Here's the answers. Hey, I can handle it. Of course I'm okay to drive. 
I never get drunk. I only drink to calm me down. Which ones have you heard? I can stop anytime I want. What? Oh, you heard them all. Oh, good. So I'm just, it's just not where I've been hanging out, huh? Good, good to know. Oh, and, and, and it's deceptive. I mean, it's just deceptive. You hear that kind of stuff all the time. I didn't think I was, I didn't think I was drunk. You know, as they wheel them into the hospital, or worse yet, wheel the people that they ran into in the intersection into the, at the, to the hospital or to the coroner's office. I'm not drunk. You know, when you look at that, it's deceptive. Uh, the second thing, well, you know what, actually, let me even go beyond that point of deception to another point of deception. I think it's also important to understand that drunkenness in the Bible is always dealt with as a sin and not as an illness or a disease. Right? Now, let me, let me explain this to you because obviously alcoholism is a disease. We need to be compassionate toward people who have reached that stage in their activities. But the point that God makes all throughout the Bible is that drunkenness is a chosen way of living or a chosen behavior pattern. And even though there are people because of genetic problems that have, have arisen because of choices of drinking along the way that would lead a per person to have a propensity toward alcoholism, the reality of that is very simple. If you don't drink, you're not an alcoholic. You follow what's being said here? The deception of that is, is that I'm an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic, because his father was an alcoholic, because it runs in our family, and I don't have a choice. And that's not true according to the Bible. The reality of it is, is you may be trapped or captured by that choice to do that which is leading you to destroy yourself, but God always treats alcoholism as a sin and not an illness or a disease. Think about it. There are many illnesses and diseases that are a result of sin. AIDS is one of them. Venereal diseases is another. That's a choice that we make, moral choice as far as behavior, but God doesn't treat that as a disease or illness. He treats it as a consequence of the behavior. You follow me? So the deception is very simple. If you get drunk in our society, you're not responsible for anything. Think about it. Well, he was drunk when he killed those people in his car. So what does he get? A 90-day suspended sentence. Well, why? Because he was drunk. But why was he drunk? Because he chose to drink. Aren't we responsible for our choices? The deception of all of it is, is that God says, hey, you know what? I'm not mocked by your choices. Don't be deceived. What you sow, you reap. You're going to pay one day and the consequences are there regardless of our, if our society waters down everything that every person does and tries to write it off to some kind of behavioral uh, history of your family or an environmental problem. The deception of sin is, is that you're going to pay the price before Almighty God and it doesn't matter whether our judicial system waters down everything that we do. The deception is very simple. And that is the worst thing we can do to anybody is tell them they're not responsible for their actions because their family history or background leads them to do what they're doing. That's a, a lie and it's deceptive and it's a mockery. We need to understand that. Think about what's going on in our society. I'm not responsible because I was drunk. Guess what? You might as well go to drunk, work drunk. I did a crummy job. You can't fire me. Why? I was drunk. I'm not responsible. Give me 30 days. Then I'm coming back. 
going to the bank, going to First Interstate, Bank of America, going drunk. Tell them, I want all your money. You can't be held responsible for it. You're drunk. Because anybody who wasn't drunk wouldn't go in and say, give me all your money. That's stupid. You see how, how crazy things have gotten in our society? I'm not responsible for anything if I can prove that I was drinking before I did it. God says, you are a fool. I'm not mocked by that. You can't lift your nose to me by your actions. See, the deception is very simple. <clears throat> We're all responsible, according to the Bible, for all of our actions. Whether we choose to become alcoholics or, or choose to end up with AIDS because of sexual behavior that we choose to, to embrace, or whatever our problem is. And so we need to understand it. You know, alcoholic beverages are dangerous because, number one, they're deceptive. Number two, because they lead to physical violence. You know, it's funny. Have you ever heard of the term mean drunk? Oh, he's a mean drunk. As opposed to what? A jolly drunk. You know? And that's true. I mean, everybody's had them in their family. There's the mean one, there's the jolly one. The jolly one you can always get some cash out of. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's kind of the way it works. And Gallupol recently noted that one out of three persons said that alcohol has caused trouble in his or her own family. Alcohol leads to physical abuse. How many people have gotten beaten as spouses or children by men or women that have abused drinking alcoholic beverages and had that parent or that grandparent or that uncle or that aunt or some other family member beat them abusively because they were drunk? And when they came to, when they came sober a few days later, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But you and I both know, you know what? Whether you meant to do it or not, it happened. And the consequences are there, and the scars are there. And God says that that drink mocks you. It turns its nose up at you and sneers at you and says, yeah, it's not dangerous, is it? But we've all been there, and so we look at this and say, gee, this makes sense, doesn't it? Number three, let me give you the third reason it's dangerous, and it's found in Proverbs 23.33. It says, Your eyes will see strange sights, and your mind imagine confusing things. Anybody that's been drunk can attest to the truth of that statement. Your eyes will see strange things, and your mind imagine confusing things. Or... Perverse things. And it's important to understand what perverse means. Perverse means anything that is contrary to the standards of God. Your mind or your heart will begin to do perverse things. You'll begin to do things that are contrary to the standard of God. So you know what the third reason that drinking alcoholic beverages is so dangerous is? The third reason, as I see it, is that it leads to a loss of moral convictions and standards. Let me just share with you what Dr. Spicard says on this subject. He says, alcohol is a mood-altering drug that directly affects the part of our brain that controls inhibitions. We all have built-in prohibitions against certain kinds of behavior. And when these restraints are lowered through the use of alcohol, we find it much easier to violate our own moral standards. Alcohol... directly affects the part of the brain that controls inhibitions. 
When these restraints are lowered through the use of alcohol, we find it much easier to violate our own moral standards. Isn't that the truth? Man, think about how many things that people do after they've become drunk that they claim they would never do if they weren't drunk. Like dancing, for instance. Just kidding. <laughs> this is getting a little bit tense in here. You know, I start to feel it. You know, the more you're watching the bird at this point than me, so it's like... <laughs> It's trying to get back on track. Seriously, though, you know what? In, in the Bible, wine is always associated, or the drinking of alcoholic beverages is always associated with immorality. Think about it for a minute. And it's dangerous because it begins to control your heart, your attitude, and your actions. This is a true story. About oh, four months ago, uh, a guy that, that I've become friends with uh, ended up having uh, sex with his best friend's wife. She got pregnant, and it's been an ongoing disaster for many months now. And I sat down and talked to him, and I said, what in the world, I mean, what happened? And, and here, this is what happened. My wife was gone. So-and-so came to town. She was at the airport. There was no one here to pick her up, so I picked her up at the airport. We stopped by a club that I know and had a couple of drinks. We started at the and before I knew it, we're having sex. Where'd the problem start? All along the way, didn't it? But the kicker was when he said, we stopped and we had a couple of drinks. And it just caught me because I knew exactly what happened at that point. You know, we've all been around. You know, I deal with guys and I hear stories of how, man, if you just get her drunk, that's all you got to do. I hear stuff like that, and I know it's true. You've been there, I've been there, you've heard the stories. And so as I, I thought about this, you know, and I thought about this story of, man, look at this ongoing, and you know what, I can't help but think of this too, the ongoing tragedy that's going on in the life of these two couples and their kids and this new baby and all the rest of it, and I just keep thinking, wine is a mocker, isn't it? It's not dangerous, man. Go ahead, have a few drinks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that funny? Isn't it hilarious? Isn't it dangerous? Isn't it sad? Isn't it a tragedy? And it's not uncommon, and it's not unusual. And if we went around the room and we asked stories about what your college days were like and some of the things that you did, Maybe it wasn't adultery. Maybe you lost your virginity at some fraternity party. Maybe it was in high school. Who knows? But the reality of it is, according to the Word of God, is that drinking alcoholic beverages and sexual immorality go hand in hand. The point is simple. Alcoholic beverages and also drugs lowers our sense of right or wrong. I just want to share with you in closing a few passages. Hosea 4.11, God says, Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Habakkuk 2.15, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk or her drunk, that you may look upon his or her nakedness. God says, Woe to you if your motive is to get a person drunk for the purposes of scoring in the sack. Woe is a strong term of impending judgment by God. Woe to you 
if that's the motive in which you operate. Luke 21, 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly, speaking of the day of judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 10, Thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19 and 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. And he goes on and he lists drunkenness, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Obviously, a Christian can get drunk, a Christian can lie, a Christian can steal, a Christian can commit adultery. I mean, that's obviously the case. But it's obvious as well that that behavior is very dangerous, isn't it? And that God is not mocked. Don't be deceived by that. You can't lift your nose up into the face of God and say, I can do this and get away with it, and I don't care what you have to say. God's not mocked by that. And the consequences are there, and they're practical, and they're real, and we've experienced them, and we saw them, and all we've got to do is open our eyes and look around us and see how true this really is. It's not a question of whether the evidence isn't there. It's a question of whether we want to believe the evidence that's there or that we care enough to believe it. And so you go down through it, and you begin to realize it's deceptive. It leads to violence, and it also leads to loss of convictions and moral standards. There's no way you can get around it as you take a look at that. And in closing, I want to just kind of sum up what, we, what we've talked about so far because I believe this to be the case. The greatest problem of alcohol in our society is the fact that we fail to recognize how dangerous it really is. We're bombarded by a liquor industry that spends an estimated $2 billion a year worldwide in advertising their products. We see in our country sports and entertaining figures that continue to tell viewers that drinking is the key to success with women, in business, with friendship, in sports, in whatever area of life. That drinking alcoholic beverages is the key to success, it's the key to happiness, and the key to the good life. I think we've all been led to believe that weekends really were made by God for Michelob. You know what I mean? And uh, here's, here's the most tragic... Uh, 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 Oh, what do they call those things when you drive down the freeway? Billboards, that's right. Thank you very much for the help. Um, the most tragic billboard that I've ever seen on this subject, I was driving down the 5 freeway a couple weeks ago, and I saw this billboard, and there's one brewery that would have you believe that you have, if you have no other friends at all in life, you have nothing else going for you, they're proud to be your bud. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's exactly the advertisement. What they're saying is, hey, you're a stinking loser, but we're there for you. If you got the cash. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it says. We're proud to be your bud. No one else likes you. Or they got to get drunk to spend any time with you. You know, that's what the subliminal message is. You go through it. No wonder our society. Listen to this. A recent study of top television shows revealed an average of more than eight alcoholic drinks are consumed in that TV show throughout some process and it's in one hour. Can you believe that? I believe that. And it's just not, you know, shows like Cheers, which are obviously the theme is a bar, but it's every, every show that's out. And it's no wonder that our society, both Christian and non-Christian, has accepted and tolerated indulgence of alcoholic beverages. We've been programmed to think and to act that way. And you know what's so, so sad about it? I realize to challenge this thinking, I get put into being some kind of a prude or somebody that's you know, so legalistic or self-righteous that who do I think I am? 
I mean, that's what category you get put into if you start to challenge the contemporary thinking of our culture. But let me just tell you, it's important also to recognize that society's viewpoint on an issue never has and never will determine what's right and wrong. And if you go down through it, history reveals instances where when a society believed the practice to be acceptable, only to discover through heartache and misery in hindsight how wrong that practice was. In our own country, look at the abominable practice of slavery. You know, look at Nazi Germany. Uh, look at what's gone on in history, and you look at these practices, and the majority of people thought, hey, these are good things. But that's not what determined what was right or wrong. What determines tr- right or wrong is truth. And the Bible says that the Word of God is truth. And the Bible continually withstands the test of time and all of the faddish beliefs and acceptances of cultures that change with fickle humanity. The Bible maintains a standard that never wavers based on majority opinion. And the wonderful thing is, guess what? God isn't influenced by the media. He's not getting snowed by the advertising community. You see what he's saying? And that's what we need to understand. He says... Alcoholic beverages are dangerous. They're deceptive. We need to understand that we are responsible for our actions and God holds us responsible for actions. They're deceptive. They mock you. They lead to violence. They lead to a breakdown in moral standards and convictions. And the bottom line that you can't get away from is and whoever's led astray by them is not wise. You're just not wise. We just started to touch this. We've got, we're going to finish it up in two weeks. I'm going to be out of town. Please pray for me. I'm doing a wedding in Alabama, and I'm working on my y'alls and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's difficult, but I'm going to, I'm going to nail it. I, I'm working on it. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you can do it. So, thank you very much. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know what? Y- y'all can do it. There was only one of me here, so I'm already confused. Who's y'all? I'm doing it by myself. So now I'm all confused here. But anyway, pray for me. We've got a, a guest speaker that's coming next week to uh, be here. But in two weeks, we're going to take a look. And we're going to come to some conclusions. You're going to have to come to your own conclusions in your own life. I mean, the Word of God is clear. You've got to look at it. You've got to deal with it. But we're going to come to some conclusions, what our response to, should be. How do we help those who are struggling with this problem? How do we help those who have an alcoholic background uh, or maybe are, are, are you know, enmeshed in alcoholism? You know, what are some of the things that we can do that are positive rather than just point fingers at people and say, you shouldn't be drinking? You know, because that's not helping anybody. Uh, We need to come to our own convictions and conclusions, but we also need to be compassionate to help people that are struggling in this area. So let's just close with prayer. Father, thanks for this opportunity to be together again to look at uh, your truth, the way your word has to say. Uh, We can look at the historical evidence of the Bible and realize that it passes the test of time. Uh, The evidence is there that your word is true. Uh, Every one of us can read these passages and say, man, that is so true. Uh, Who wrote this stuff? Well, Obviously, God, you did, because you know our hearts, you know who we are, you created us, uh, you know what's best for us, and you've got a plan for every one of us. God, help us uh, to understand clearly what the Bible teaches on the subject of alcoholic beverages. Uh, Help us to understand that we're bombarded with uh, messages that are contrary to that. We need to be sensitive to that. We need to be sensitive to people who disagree with us, uh, but we also need to be fair to the text and look at what you say um, from an accurate standpoint. God, we just are grateful that regardless of whatever we struggle with, that you tell us that if we confess our sin, um, that you'll forgive us, that you can cleanse us from it, that each day is a new day. You're a God of second chances. And what a wonderful thing it is to know that no matter what we've done in the past, that Jesus died for that sin if we'd only accept him and believe that that's true. 
God, we just thank you for the hope of living uh, a future that's based on the promises of yours. And we just thank you that you keep us from all the consequences of the nightmare of wrong choices that you produ produce in our life, uh, happiness and joy and peace that only you can provide. And there's no bottle of beer or glass of wine in the world that can duplicate what you can give us. And God, we just thank you for that and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.